This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680 CJOB. Welcome to the program, everybody. Happy Thursday. Um, lots to get to here on the show. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of Winnipeg Jets as the show rolls on uh, center. I mean, a lot of the conversation in this offseason surrounding the center position, Mark Shifley, Pierre-Luc Dubois, decisions uh, coming forth on both of those players. Uh, is there options in UFA, unrestricted free agents? I pulled some names. I took a look at the list. We'll discuss that. Um, is is there a way to match production in terms of just bringing in a free agent? We'll, we'll take a look at that. Or is trades the uh, the be- the best option here? A couple of uh, Jets players uh, excelling. Um, one of them, uh, <laughs> bad news for Winnipeg hockey fans. Uh, the other doing good, pretty dang good out there in Europe. We'll we'll, we'll touch on that. And also, uh, the Arizona Coyotes uh, released a statement yesterday. We'll get to that uh, as the show rolls on. But first. Training camp reports for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are brought to you by Stars Air Ambulance, caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most. Uh, Dirk Taylor, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on the show. First of all, I'll say hi. I haven't said hi to Jim yet. Uh, hello, Jim. And I'll say hello, hello. Derek. Just hello. Go right to Derek. He's waiting. He's got pressing news. Latest from Bomber Camp. Freezing. It's freezing. freezing. Here. That's the latest news. It's freezing. Welcome to the Canadian Football League. <laughs> Dude, it was like, wasn't it like 20-whatever yesterday? And I'm literally wearing long johns today. Oh, no. Oh, no, I knew, no. Yeah, I knew I'd be outside for three-plus hours just sitting, watching practice. And now I wish I brought, you know, gloves and, you know, my winter boots. They are somewhere stored away because I thought I was done with them. But uh, it's chilly when you sit out here for three hours. Absolutely. Well, the start was out there uh, the opening of camp on Monday, and they were woefully underdressed. Uh, Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb to kick off uh, from 6 until 10 on the Monday. Um, and uh, Heather Steele came in, our our, our, our our manager here, and I was like trying to be tough. Like, I, I can't go back. I'm not wearing, I'm not putting my sandals away. I'm not putting, I'm wearing t shirts and shorts up until October. And then guess who's wearing a sweater and long pants today? I was excited this today. Guy, I am. I'm such a wimp. Because I got another day out of the cardigan. I thought it was done, but I got oh, the, yeah, cardigan the, the, classic cardigan the classic cardigan. The classic cardigan for one more day. I was like excited. I'm like, ooh, I get to wear this. Uh, what is the latest, Derek? What's going on today? Well, it's uh, it, as per usual, there was a little uh, extended, it hasn't been as intense, I think, as past days. There was an extended stretch session that we got to see. But uh, one of the ones that I've been watching the last couple of days is what's happening and what's going to happen uh, in the defensive backfield. Uh, Winston Rose got hurt a couple of days ago, right at the end of practice. And since then, it's been Demario Houston taking his spot. And yet we still see uh, on the other side at the halfback spot, we were wondering, is it going to be Jamal Parker? Would it be Evan Holm? Would it be Houston? Well, Parker and Holm keep exchanging reps here with the first team and the second team, which some things are something and some things are nothing in training camp. This, this seems like something. Like, we want both guys to be working with Desmond Lawrence and Brandon Alexander and see what happens in the preseason games to come. Uh, Holm had an unbelievable play uh, he was step for step with the, with the receiver, tipped the ball up in the air beautifully, and then Lawrence came in, diving interception. The eight people who were not frozen in the crowd went wild. 
Uh, it was it was really impressive. That's the play of the day here at training camp. But yeah, what's going to happen in that defensive backfield will be very interesting. And how will Winston Rose's injury uh, affect that? Because as much as there's a thing in sports where you don't think guys can lose their job because of injury, guys lose their job because of injury all the time. So uh, that's that's the thing we'll want to keep watching as you know next week's preseason game rolls around. I mean, all those names that you mentioned, Jamal Parker, Evan, you know, Evan Holman, and and them. Uh, we we saw them, you know, sort of because of injuries uh, placed into the bomber backfield as the as the season went on last year. Um, with the off season and, and this being a, another training camp for these guys, uh, where do you think the expectations are for them? Oh, I think that, I think they're pretty high. Uh, Parker's a guy who showed that even though he isn't tall and he isn't very heavy, like he's not a big dude at five foot eight, uh, he can really stand up even with receivers in the Canadian Football League. He's he's a guy. He's not not necessarily like Dietrich Nichols on the other side, but Nichols is another guy who doesn't let the fact that he's five foot nine limit him at all. Teams are terrified of Nichols, so I think expectations for a guy like Parker high. I think expectations for Demario Houston should be very high. He was a guy last year who I think it was after week number four, the Bombers released veteran Taekwon Glass and said, Demario, you're the cornerback now. And then as Winston Rose continued to struggle last season, Demario moved to the short side of the field and, and took over. That's where you get the stronger receivers, right? And Demario Houston was good till he injured himself and essentially missed the rest of the year. So uh, that we've been seeing Demario Houston with the second team so far in camp has honestly been a little bit of a surprise to me because of what he was able to do last season. Uh, Desmond Lawrence, who came in late in the season from Hamilton and looked really good, he's been at corner every day. I don't know if expectations for him are as high, but I, I feel like maybe they feel they've, they've got that one cornerback down set. And then Alexander and Nichols, those guys are CFL all-star level players. So I, I think you know, I think you set your watch by those guys. You, you know that they're going to be there when the time's called. But there's, there's four other spots you go, we have five or six guys that can take these four spots. Let's figure out which four they are. Along the lines of uh, solidified positions, deep team roster, and all that stuff, uh, Derek, how's the running game? I know both running backs you're reporting aren't are participating today. Is that due to injury or just you know maintenance? But then also, is that the depth of it, uh, Oliveira and Augustine, or is there more guys vying for spots in the backfield? Well, so there's five guys in camp currently. There's Oliver, Augustine, Dimension, and three Americans. And uh, there's actually three, three of the players are injured. So there's actually only two running backs left for camp today. Um, it's, when you go Oliveira and Augustine, it's going to be a Canadian position. So everybody else would be competing with a guy like Greg McRae. For McRae's a guy who showed up in camp last year, was listed as a running back. They kind of immediately went, you know what? He could be a receiver, returner. He could do all these things. So any, any American player who wants to... Uh, to take that to take that spot, uh, Vance Barnes, Salima, any of those guys who want it. To me, they're going to have to beat out McCray for his spot and be a be a flexible guy. Because I mean, once you go Oliveira and Augustine, you're committed to being Canadian at running back. And there's no with the new rule, there's no player who could take advantage of the new roster rule, the new nationalized Canadian roster rule uh, that would affect that. But uh, I think really Oliveira. With what we saw after, say, week seven last year, I feel like he, he, he's not the best starter in the Canadian Football League, but he's a starter in the Canadian Football League. So 
everybody else is everybody everybody else is competing for second place or if you're an american you you're looking for a different position or a different roster utilization let's say how are things uh, shaping up at quarterback, particularly uh, in terms of short yardage with uh, Pruk up down south? Yeah, who do you think will be the starter this year? <laughs> yeah, Derek, that's actually what I'm asking. <laughs> Who's start? Who's starting quarterback? No, I was asking. Well, oh, you were. Okay. You're smarter than me. Uh, okay. Drew Brown, this kid from Oklahoma State, like he's got a couple of years under his belt now. He had that performance in week one last year. It's Zach. <laughs> Zach's the Zach's the favorite to be the MLP again, which makes perfect sense, right? The Bombers look like the best team. He's the quarterback for the best team. This is the best receive. Uh, I'm just in my mind trying to think of the receiving cores he's ever played with in his career. This has got to be the best receiving core, first five, he's ever played with in his life, which is scary because last year he set career highs in touchdowns and yards passing and yards per attempt and everything right so now he gets Kenny Lawler in there to go with what we know Dalton Schoen is now with uh, Nick Dembski Rashid Bailey coming up career years so it'll come down to they were able to get value right from short yardage last year from Dakota Prukop so Tyrell Pagrome and Josh Josh Johnson uh, Josh Johnson forgive me if I'm goofing up his name and it's actually Jones but uh, which one of those guys could potentially bring some value? Because you're not worried about your third quarterback getting into the game and having to throw the football. If you, if you, if you are, you're totally pooched. Like, your season is done if you're down to your third quarterback. It's been such a disaster, right? This team, to me, if Kalaros doesn't play, they're in, they're in a world of trouble because he's that good, and he's the difference between this team and everybody else in the league is they have the number one quarterback, and if five other teams feel like they have the third best quarterback because there's nobody you can really put at number two. So who can, who can they get some value from? Uh, Pagrom is a guy you see a little bit more potentially in the run game from him in how Buck, you know, used uh, his third quarterback last year. Uh, but that, that's the kind of thing that the road game will tell us kind of everything. They'll leave Zach at home. Drew, I would wager would be the starter, but then we'll see what the other, the other two quarterbacks can can bring in that sense. So, yeah, that's the thing I'm really looking forward to next Saturday for. And real quick, I'm gonna let's send out to Saskatchewan for a while. I've been holding this question out for all for all week, uh, but we haven't had enough time. But I think we got enough. We got about two minutes here. I can squeeze this one in. Uh, Trevor Harris out there in Saskatchewan. Um, you know, we're seeing the headlines, you know, he's comes as advertised and all this other stuff and hearing that from, from Craig Dickinson, head coach, but what else is he going to say, uh, about his quarterback here? But is, is Trevor Harris who we've seen already? Um, or is this sort of a fourth opportunity where we, we might see him sort of elevate himself or is Trevor Harris, the Trevor Harris that we already know? He's the one we already know. Yeah, I, I yeah. when I talk about Harris, I just describe him as a high floor quarterback. Like he's going <laughs> That's to, perfect. He's going That's to, perfect. Right? There are guys who who are bad and they have a low floor. He's got a high floor, but then his top end is limited as well. His ceiling isn't nearly as high as some other guys. I think I think at this point in that team, if used properly, he could do very good things for that Saskatchewan team but none of them are going to be ripping the ball deep down the field. It's going to be short, controlled, underneath stuff that we've seen from him since he really kind of took the job in, in Ottawa. So that could work well for a team that had offensive line problems last year if he's used properly and if they you know, have a little bit of a run game to go with it. So he'll be better than Fajardo was for what they have. 
because and part of that is because they have a new offensive coordinator as well. But to me, their upside is limited. Harris might be the second best quarterback in the West, but he's just so far from Kolaris in the way that he plays the game. Kolaris loves to hammer the ball down the field and, and get things going under pressure. Harris wants it short and controlled and dink and dunk your way down the field. That can only work for so long. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to make 15 consecutive plays to go 90 yards. It's easier just to do it in three plays. So Harris better than what they had, I think, for what they want to do. But upside to me is very limited, and Saskatchewan is going to be in the running for fifth place in the West in my mind. Oh, that's a shame. Ah, oh, too bad. <laughs> we're, uh, we're all hurting. Like when the Oilers lose, we're all really sad about <laughs> it. Uh, Bomber training camp reports are brought to you by Stars Air Ambulance, caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most. Uh, Derek Taylor, voice of the Bombers, down at training camp at IG Field. Derek, thanks so much. Talk tomorrow. Sounds good, guys. Thanks, CT. Let's take a break. Let's come back on the other side. Uh, Winnipeg Jets, the situation at center. How is that going to unfold? I mean, the Athletic released um, uh, their list of the top uh, trade uh, board players. Mark Scheifele, uh, number two on that list, behind Connor Hellebuck and uh, PLD and Blake Wheeler not too far down at, at number six and number seven. Um, we'll, we'll take a look. I mean, if, if, if is it going to be a trade? Is there options at UFA? Uh, we'll, we'll take a look at that. And as the show rolls on uh, a statement released by the Arizona coyotes, uh, at least for the short term future, we'll, we'll get to that as the show continues. Chats at noon on six eight CJOB. Uh, Ed Tate reporting this uh, from Blue Bomber Camp. Uh, Jake Thomas, of course, defensive uh, lineman, uh, has arrived at Winnipeg Blue Bomber Camp and hugging it out uh, with everybody he had uh, yet to report, um, but has made his return, his uh, arrival. So uh, he has uh, made it to camp. Texas Show, 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. I took a look, and of course, um, uh, the offseason is going to, Keep on trucking by here. I, I don't expect things to really, really start to happen if they will happen at all. Of course, I always have to add that little bit of um, uh, attachment to whatever I say here. But if and when things do happen for the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, it's kind of it's going to happen around draft time uh, following July 1st, you know, June, July, end of end of June, perhaps into July. And uh, we've talked about the goaltending situation, Connor Hellebuck. You know, is it time to move on from him? Is, is it time to make a trade with him again? A Vesna candidate for the third time, a one-time winner. Um, you know, is it is has his is this the high the height of what you can get? Is he worth more to the franchise in this moment as as part of a of a trade situation? We talked about the defense as well, um, and now we got to look at the at the centers at the at the position of center. And I looked at the unrestricted free agents, Jim, here uh, at center, and this is sort of the guys that are at sort of the top of the list in terms of unrestricted free agents. Jonathan Taves, Ryan O'Reilly, Jordan Stahl, Jonathan Drouin, Max Domi, um, Ivan Barbashev, Eric Howla, Evan Rodriguez, right? So I like Eric Howla. Yeah, so do I. But in terms of if you're looking to match Shifley and and PLD in production, yeah. You're you're going to be taking a, a a step back there, and the reason why that is is because usually centers of those two uh, of the caliber of Shifley and PLD uh, rarely uh, go to UFA status. They usually get contracts, 
they do get traded in situations like that, but they they rarely become become UFAs. Um, so what that tells me, again, Jim, is if and when this this does happen and a move does get made, um, if it does, it, it's going to have to come by trade. I mean, the, the the UFA market is always a struggle for the Winnipeg Jets, um, but when it would be certainly a, uh, any of those positions would be a step back. Maybe Jonathan Taves, if he wants to come to Winnipeg, who knows? Uh, that might be an avenue that you look at. Um, Max Domi, perhaps, but I have a, stink, uh, a sneaking suspicion that Max Domi has likely been offered deals in Winnipeg in terms of trades, uh, perhaps contracts in the past. I've no, I've no evidence to, to 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 back that up, but I just kind of get the sense that there's been offers there, and 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 he's looked elsewhere. Not to say that if. Uh, he, maybe he wants to settle down, get a three-year deal or something like that. He's tired of moving around and all that yeah, sort of like situation. I, like Vladislav Nemestikov first in of a all, situation you, like that. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Uh, first of all, you're going to have to overpay. So if it is a Hala yeah. or, or um, I don't know about Taves, but like a Hala yeah. or a Max Domi, Domi's going to be looking at, you know, if you want him as a center and he's looking at three- to five-year deals at $5 million, you're going to have to go, here's a five-year deal at six. Yeah. Or six and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, Hall of the same thing. If he's looking at a three-year deal at $4 million per, and I'm just ballparking here, um, you're going to have to go, here's a three- or four-year deal at five. Mm-hmm. And that's the way this is going to work. I, I'm not too sure about, like, Pierre-Luc Dubois for me, for sure. Um, like, with his 63 points in 73 games and 27 goals, to me, like, he's also a plus five. Um has, I, has other intangibles attached to that yeah, as well. So yeah, so that, that's the thing that, like, with Mark, he's a minus 16. And he had 68 points. He had 42 goals, but a minus 16. If you send that six, I'm going to call him a point-per-game player, even yeah. though he wasn't this year, because he has been for the previous six. He scored 42 goals. Two, he had a, he had four, a, six seasons previous to this, he's been a point-a-game player. Yeah, and he scored 42 goals, too. And 42 goals. So, yeah. I mean, 40-goal score for the first time in his career. But that minus 16, like, you could ship out a 40-goal score, uh, 70 to 80-point guy, and if you get a 50 to 60-point guy back, but he doesn't let in 20, mm-hmm. there's your wash, right? You're giving up 20 points for, but if you can keep 20 points out... That's your watch. It's interesting when you look at Mark Scheifele and you look at, at at sort of his his history with the team. Um, his first full season, uh, well, his first year where he played 63 games with, with the Winnipeg Jets, he was plus nine. And again, plus nine is the whole conversation of that. Then the next year, plus 11, plus 16, plus 18, plus 19. Then he went down to eight. Then he was at plus two. Then he was minus four. Last year, his high or low, minus 17 and then minus 16. Um, there's definitely that, that's, that's more than, uh, I mean, it's like you can map how things have changed for well, him over the, over the and, course of his career and, and his time here in Winnipeg. Like from my being in the room for a couple of years and then, you know, just covering it from afar, not talking, Mark has always felt his best way to help this team is to score more. Yeah. It didn't matter, you know, what was going on, everything else. It just, well, I got to score more teams in a five game losing streak and he's got 12 points. He's like, I got to score more. Mm-hmm. He, if he's got, you know, no points in five games and the team's winning, he's like, I got to score more. Like, that's how he just, that's his defensive woes, is he yeah. always believes that the the best way that he can help the team is to score more. So I do believe with Shifley, and, and I hate saying this because I, I think the toughest thing to do, as I've always said, the toughest thing to do in the National Hockey League is to score. Mm-hmm. It's to put up points and to score goals. And he's got 42 and previous six seasons, he's a point per game player. 
But there are ways around this. Like I said, that if if you can bring in a guy that maybe scores 30 points less a year or, or 20 points less a year, but keeps 20 goals out of the net more, that that's a, a good even trade in my mind. Yeah. Now, the optimal would be if Mark Shifley would pick this up. If Mark Shifley, even like Pierre-Luc Dubois, was a plus five, they would have won a lot of more games this year. Mm-hmm. So, But the Pierre-Luc Dubois one is the one I think you're going to have a hard time to replace because I like his defensive game. I like the amount of points he's putting up, and I think he's he's going to be a point-per-game player. Yeah. But like the options to me are, I think you're bringing young centers back. I don't see either one of these guys going to whatever team they might go to if they go, and there's not a, a 20, 21, 22-year-old center coming back. Mm-hmm. Now, is that going to be an 80-point center? No. But, you know, we talked Montreal because that's what the the stuff with Pierre-Luc Dubois is. If you can get Kirby Dock at 23 and who's got 50 points to come in here, 24, 25, 26 years old, he could very well be a point-of-game player. Mm-hmm. And why would Montreal do that? Well, because they have Nick Suzuki. and But I, I don't know. Like, if I'm Montreal, I want Pierre-Luc Dubois, Nick Suzuki, and Kirby Dock down my middle. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. And I think that's maybe why this hasn't happened yet or – they just acquired Doc and and stuff, but we're just throwing names out there, right? So, when we talked about the defense, I'm not as concerned as as you are, and mm-hmm. I'm not as concerned with the depth because there's two to three years to play with. And yeah. I know we look at the contracts and we look at this, but two to three years uh, is an eternity in the hockey world, and especially to GMs because they think a year at a time. Now, Kevin Chevaldayoff doesn't and can't, but I mean, once they put their team together, like once training camp starts. They're, they're all worried about that year, unless you're rebuilding and stuff like that. But so I think that the center position is a little more ominous. Do I think Cole Perfetti is going to be a center? Yes, I do. I think that he will be moved over to the center position, but I just don't think he's he's ready to be. Is, and is, that's is, what really the yeah. injuries with him the last two years is a problem, Cam, because I think if he would have had two full seasons at wing, he would be ready to be moved into that center spot. I agree with that. The it, fact is he hasn't had one full season, and so now he's still, like, even this year, as great as he was when he was healthy, I thought, well, great. I thought he was really good when he was healthy. There were still aspects of his game. I'm like, in a year or two from now, that'll be out of his game. Yeah, yeah. when you looked at Mark uh, uh, Cole Perfetti and, and you saw, you know, oh, you should have shot in that position. That should have been a one-timer. You got a one-time uh, that, yeah. You, you know, you, like you got to hold on to that puck a little bit more when you saw that sort of thing with, with Cole Perfetti. Um yeah, that's exactly right. It was like in a year or two, he's going to pick that up. He's a real smart kid. He's going to figure all this sort of stuff out, and and he's going to be, a, a, I I think, a great center for this situation. So, is it more of when when you look at sort of the options presented? Is it in, in John Texas show? He says fifty five and, and PLD. Of course, fifty five is Mark Shifley's number. If you're if you're just joining us, fifty five and PLD are way too inconsistent. Trade for a twenty goal scorer that come and play every day. Get three lines that can score ten to fifteen goals a year instead of two guys that score thirty or more, but don't uh, show up for a lot of games. That one from John Texas show two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Is it is it a situation, Jim? When if 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 you put on your GM hat and you look at this and you have two three years to sort of play with here, is this? It's going to find its own way in terms of the centers in this team. They're, we, they're already in the system. They're just not ready yet, or we uh, well, believe I that they're not ready yet? I think center is the the most dire position because of, like, the ideal is that you would have Shifley and Dubois for a couple more years, and these yeah. guys could come along. So I do think of the, like, I think they're fine at wing, I think even for the future. Um, but I think the center is that gap of two to three years where, 
And now we're getting texts here, Kirby Doc sucks, Toth. Well, okay, well, who are you trading for then? Well, Name you, me a center that doesn't suck that's coming to Winnipeg. Like, you have to roll the dice on a 23-year-old. Yeah, well, I agree. And I, I look at the the cap hit for Kirby Doc at the end of it for the next, I think it's two, three years after this. He's still in RFA status. He's, he did take a jump. I understand he was playing with Montreal last year, but he was second in team scoring. And he, the team, took a, he had 38 points, 14 goals in 58 games. Prorate that to 82. He's a 20 goal scorer at 23 years old. 22. 22 years old. So does he suck? On, on a, on okay, a, what's he going to be when he's 25? On a team not even trying to win. I mean, exactly. yeah, Martin St. Louis got them trying to win every single night, but look at the roster. I just, I just love, look at the roster. I love this idea with some Jets fans. It's always the same. Chris Thorburn sucks. Mark Stewart sucks. Trade him. Well, if you think he sucks, who are you getting for him? And then now it's the vice versa. Well, this guy, who are you trading Mark Scheifele and Pierre-Luc Dubois for that's, you know, fully developed and ready to go? I think you're going to have to roll the dice on some of these centers, but you're going to get good young centers. Like the idea of trading Connor Hellebuck, like the hockey news had for Shane Pinto and Ridley Gregg. Mm-hmm. I love everything about that. Yep. But I'll tell you one thing right now, right now, Ridley Gregg sucks. He doesn't, he's going to be a very good player and he did well in the limited times, but he's not a great two way center right now, but that's what you're going to be looking at. And I'll tell you what, if you could go get, Shane Pinto and Ridley Gregg to play down your middle. Shane Pinto sucks. He played 82 games. He's minus 21, and he had 20. He had only had 20 goals. He sucks. But Shane Pinto does not suck. He's in three years, years from old. now, He's and Ridley Gregg will not suck two to three years from now. And you can control that. And Kirby Doc, 38 points in 58 games, minus two on a terrible team. Again, he's 22 years old. Who else are you getting out of Montreal? I, let me guess uh, to the texter, and I'm not, I'm having fun with you here, but you want Nick Suzuki back for Pierre Luc Dubois? That's not happening. No, that that was all. I, I believe, and this was this was a lot of the rumors getting getting thrown around. Was that was the asking price? It says okay. Well, why you, wouldn't it be? Well, of course. There, we own two more years of Pierre Luc Dubois if you want him, and it's you want to sign him to an extension. It's going to cost Nick Suzuki. Why would I ask for Kirby Doc? I'm asking for Nick Suzuki. But if that's not going to work, what are you going to do? You're yeah. going to lose Pierre-Luc Dubois for nothing, or are you going to go, hey, Kirby, come to Winnipeg. I own you for four more years, mm-hmm. and by then you're 26 years old, and you would love to be really good in this top six because when you're 26, then you get a free agent deal. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. So I don't think he sucks. I think he's had a slow start to his career. Yeah, exactly. That's I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, and I, I think Kirby Doc is would be a 22-year-old, would be a great, great pickup at a 3.3 cap hit for three more years and then still an RFA with arbitration rights uh, when you could when you could hammer something else out. I, and I, do, I, I just I, think that's a win-win contract. And, 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 and I see a lot of upside for, for a guy in a position and I, like that. I'm just that. throwing Doc out there. Like, they yeah. paid a heavy price to get him. Yeah. And they paid a heavy price to get him for the same reason that the Jets would like him is because they own him for four more years and he's mm-hmm. had a slow start to his career, but his career could turn around as he develops and be really good. So I don't I don't even think he's available. Yeah. Especially with a year to go with PLD. So I, I'm I'm starting to lean towards the whole if I'm Chevy, if I'm Chevel Day off, I call up Montreal and I'm like, Do you want him right now? This is what it is. Yeah. Or you want to talk or what? But do not lowball me on this because I will send him to Philadelphia or I will send him to Colorado or I will send him to Carolina. And they would love him at one year at $7 million. Mm-hmm. Same with Shifley. 
He might like the scenery. He might want to stick around. So, I mean, if nobody wants to pay the asking price for Mark Shifley long term, mm-hmm. there are a handful of teams that next year would love an 80-point player for $6 million for one year with no more commitment. And, and just to show it, and again, just not, you know, Kirby Doc is just an, is just an opportunity just to kind of look at this and, and the projection of some of these guys. Uh, 70 games with Chicago. Again, these were not great teams that he played for. Nine goals, 17 points, 26, uh, 20, 17 assists, 26 points, minus 18 in 2021-2022. In Montreal with only 58 games, 12 less, uh, he had 12 more points. He had five more goals. He had 10 more points in the power play and was minus two. So there, there's a big, there's, there's a, there's a swing there. Right. And I'm just saying that's, those are the deals that the Winnipeg Jets are going to be looking at here. They're not going to get pound for pound right on paper as it is. If, if these guys are getting moved, They're, it's just not going to happen. I don't think, but it's going to have guys with upside and it could end up being uh, a real, real great trade if the opportunity th- really hits. Home. I think you'll get even more than you got, like Truba for Pionk. Yeah. And um, when you talk, you know, Andrew Kopp for um, Morgan Barron, and people will say, well, Morgan Barron, but for a third line, Andrew Kopp and what they got in Morgan Barron is very good with with mm-hmm. contract and with with ownership. And what's added just, up to Brad I just Lambert? Think, I just think it'll elevate, right? Yeah. Like I think it'll elevate. So you're talking, you're not going to get a bona fide number one center with 80 points, I don't think. But you could go get a younger 60 point center for these guys because teams that want to win now will love those contracts. Yeah, and that pick with 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 Cop has turned out to be. Uh, big bad Brad Lambert, who's got uh, 16 games played in the WHL playoffs, 26 points, six goals, 20 assists. He's a step above the, the, speed-wise. In that. Yeah, yeah. I watched that game last night, yeah. and then uh, I was at the game on Saturday, and his wheels. Now, he had wheels at the NHL level and hands. Yeah. His problem at training camp was puck battles and turnovers. Yeah. I mean, you could, but again, that's the stuff you can figure out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that. Yeah. well, no, that's what they sent him to Seattle for. Well, yeah, yeah, that's what they wanted him to work on with the Moose. Learn how to win some puck battles with guys your own size and then come to the NHL, get thicker, and, and learn how to win them against guys bigger than you. Yeah, and you know what? He's got a great knack for finding space. Yes, that's a, and that's a speed, great thing you can't teach. There. Let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Hey, the Coyotes making a statement. We'll get to that after this. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Well, the final uh, minute of the show here. Thanks so much for all the text messages, everybody. 204-780-6868. We're going to be doing a lot of this this summer, right? I'm getting, you're getting ready. Because I, I know there's people that disagree with me and you and everybody that says there's, I think there's going to be some major changes. Yeah, I think so too. I, uh, that coyote would you be thing. surprised? Would you be surprised if there wasn't though? But anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, Javier Gutierrez, the president and CEO of the Arizona Coyotes, released this statement. While we are very disappointed, Tempe voters did not approve the proposed entertainment district. We want to thank all of our loyal fans who supported the Coyotes over the years. Their loyalty, your pack strong, blah blah blah. During the 2023, 2020, uh, 2023, 2024 season, the Arizona Coyotes will play at Mullet Arena. We remain committed to Arizona and starting to re-engage local officials to to solidify a new permanent home in the Valley. Look forward to sharing more with you in the coming weeks. And we also had uh, Kelly Moore doing some searching for us. Average ticket price at Mullet is 165 bucks. Uh, workout season ticket average season ticket price. Eight thousand to eighty-five hundred dollars for the Coyotes. I know that doesn't seem like a lot to a season ticket holder, like a Jets season ticket holder. 
but for a five thousand seat arena, hundred and sixty five bucks. It's like now it's NHL hockey, so that's a bargain. Yeah, but I don't know. Like I just picture going to the average Western Hockey League rink, and now I'm not paying for Western Hockey League hockey, but I just I don't know. That's weird to me that you buy a seat in an arena like that and it's that much money. But it is dirt cheap compared to everywhere else. They're committed to Arizona. They're re-engaging. Desert sand cheap. Oh, the saga continues. That's it for me. I'll be back. Same night tomorrow. See ya. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB.